Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hurry, I'm Dave Early. Today's guest is Ashwin. He goes by Schwinny Poo on Twitter. That's at S H W I N N Y P O O. He's one of the most important follows if you're a Knicks fan or if you want to keep up to speed on the Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference in general. He's very, very funny. Um, in this pod, you'll hear a funny story on how I met Schwinn. Um, I've been on his pod, the pod Strickland, at the Strick.land, and you can follow him. Like I said, at Schwinny Poo on Twitter for plenty of good insight. He's got a full onslaught of rock star contributors like John Macri, Jeff Ballone, Scooter Toots, his co-host on his pod, Drew, Jeremy Coleman, Stacey Patton, and many more. Let's chop up all things good with Schwinn. Schwinn, Schwinn, how you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good, man. Um, you know, my stomach could feel a little bit better, but I'm hanging in there. What happened but to your you- stomach? I don't know. I had some leftover pasta. And, uh, <laughs> that's uh, apparently that was a no go. So, it, how long was it left over? It was from last night. So, I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Maybe you got that bad water. It's possible. It's possible. It's like possible. <laughs> oh, you left. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, how about, how about your Knicks? I was just looking at NBA leaders. And I saw Julius Randle's name high on like some defensive stat. Like, forget what it was, defensive win share or some defensive thing. And I was like, wait, is he playing good D? And you watch him, but I haven't much. Yeah. Um, is he good? Yeah. I mean, that's basically. Yeah. Is he good? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like legitimately good now. Um, I was not ready for a world where that was the case coming into the season. Nobody was. I, I still, I I actually think it's crazy because they're actually, I think they're leaving a lot of low hanging fruit. Um, just like with the insistence on starting Alfred Payton, but like, I mean, I I'll see if I, I'll let me, I'll pull it up in a second here, but, um, yeah, like I think they're if they put quickly in that starting lineup, they can probably. I mean that that would just at least make his life easier as far as um, you know, getting some spacing on the floor. Because right now the Knicks are like their starting lineup is basically non-shooters, and either Burks or Bullock starts at the two, um, and obviously that's not been super great. Um, <laughs> but there's a uh, one thing here. Let me just try and find it. It was in Macri's newsletter today. Um, For which, anyone who doesn't know, tell him who Macri is. Uh, he is the worst uh, writer uh, that writes about the Knicks on Twitter. Remember, this is going to be a mostly Sixers audience. 
probably be like <laughs> 10, 10 Knicks listeners. Um, oh yeah, so here it is. Uh, all, all from all fans of yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Knicks are quickly has played thirty minutes uh, with RJ, Mitch, and Julius. And in those 30 minutes, granted, obviously this is a tiny, tiny sample size, but in 30 minutes, they've outscored teams by 29 points per 100 possessions. Um, So, like, I mean, is that definitive proof that uh, putting in a a guard who can shoot on top of penetrating a little bit uh, would make life easier for Julius Randle and those other two? No, but it seems to match up with common logic. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, like, Randall is really good, and I think the Knicks are actually in some ways not maximizing it um, because of, you know, super weird coach stuff that NBA teams do. What is that super weird coach stuff that NBA teams do? Like, they do they do the same thing in football. You'll see, like, Russell Wilson – DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett score a thousand points in the first 10 weeks. And then they just stop and just start running the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm like somewhat, look, I get it. Like you want in, in the case of football, right? Like I understand the logic of you want to be good at running the football too, because you get to the playoffs and having both elements of, your predominant offense, like being able to do both things is generally a good thing. Yeah. Unpredictable. Yeah. Like it, I get that. Um, and I look, I, I think this is what's happening um, in the case with quickly here. Like, I mean, if you watch him play, there are a lot of times, like he's not particularly great at running the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, what he is good at is running pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And, creating for himself like he's averaging i think 22.3 points uh per 36 minutes right now which is tops for all rookies um but like if you watch him he's he's still trying to figure out like okay how do i get ob going how do i get Knox open looks how do i get noel rolling to the rim and like he's got to work through that stuff and find a better balance so that it's not just him scoring first and then once he's scoring a bunch then he can start getting guys involved i think that's kind of where his balance needs he needs to find that and to be fair to tibbs and like this is the thing that you know if you just look at the numbers it's not clear um or it's it it won't tell you that but i think it's he didn't play point guard for two years at kentucky so i think that he's kind of figuring out how to play point guard right and it's such a funny parallel because we, with some of our shorthanded units or some of our Ben Simmons sits units, we're asking Tyrese Maxey, who didn't play a ton of point guard to play point guard. And for anyone right. competitive, who's like quickly scoring more points per 36, uh, Maxey's 17.9. Right. Right. And it's, so it's like, because I think it's, it's, it's easier for him to kind of like get those training wheels and get those point guard reps and figure it out in that bench unit, then I think if he goes into the starting unit, then all of a sudden, you know, Randall's going to eat, RJ is going to eat. Um, like he, he's going to be playing in a different capacity then. And that might not be the best thing for him right in this, at this moment. Like there's going to be a point in time where 
that ceases to be the case. Um, I personally wouldn't mind if that <laughs> if Tibbs was just like, fuck it, we're going to do it right now. Um, but I don't think he's not going to do it right now. And as annoying as that is, because Alfred Payton is like just the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> it, I, I get it. And I I'm okay with it. I, if anything, like it would be much less annoying if he would just stagger the minutes better. Um, but he hasn't been as good with that um, yet. So hopefully we see more of that. And like, he did make it a point. He has made it a point recently to at least get some minutes of quickly with the starters. Um, even if it's not as much as I would like. So I'm sure he's aware that like of what the data is telling him. It's again, it's that weird coach stuff. And then like, you know, managing a locker room and shit like that, that I have yeah, no clue about some, some boomer thing where we want to, we want, we need vets. We want someone who listens, follows orders and knows the plays. Here's the stat I was talking about. Defensive win share in order. Anthony Davis, number one. Rudy Gobert, number two, no surprises so far. LeBron James, number three. Andre Drummond, who like a lot of people don't think of him as a great defender, but he always has <laughs> some of these good defensive statistics. Hey, there was that one guy on Twitter last year that was like, what was he? He was like voting for Drummond as defensive player of the year. I think he like got that. a single vote, right? Um, yeah, it was that. There was one guy on Twitter that just kept like arguing is hilarious. If he made the playoffs, someone would put him out in a high screen role and he would turn into a pumpkin. But all right. So then Miles Turner, who has more blocks than insert joke. And then there's number six, Julius Randle, sixth in defensive win share. And ninth is Mitchell Robinson. In between the two of them is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who you'd expect to be up around there. Mm. But uh, but Tibbs has him playing some D, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And like you know, are they giving up open threes? Sure. Um, but so did the Bucks and Raptors right, last year. Right. And I think it's just like the thing with defense in the NBA at this point is you're not going to be able to, you can't take everything away. So you're essential. Every possession is just like a bet of some sort where you're like, eventually you're going to give up something. Brett Brown and, used to say, it's a matter of which sword do we fall on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically it though. So yeah. I think like for the most part, the Knicks have, they're, they seem to be doing a much better job recently of, okay, we're going to give you open threes, but they're not going to be from the corners. Uh, over the first week or two, like they were just giving up everything from behind the arc. So be it corners, wh- whatever, right? If you move the ball, you would get, you could probably get a corner three. Uh, that's been trending in a better direction over the last few weeks. Um, so the open shots teams are getting oftentimes are above the break threes, which look, if you're going to give up, a shot that's not the worst shot in the world to give up um and they seem to be almost content with teams getting to the rim because they're just like well we have mitchell robinson and nerland's noel so we're just gonna dare you to to try and finish over those guys and we don't think you can um the thing that's that that i think has is low-key an issue for them is uh the units without when Mitch is playing at the five, they're they're actually one thing he's gotten a lot better at this year is boxing out and just generally grabbing defensive rebounds. And then if he's not like he's clearing space for RJ to come in, for Randall to come in, whatever. Um, when he sits and Noel comes in, it is like disaster central in the glass. And Erlens Noel has never been a good defensive rebounder. He is built like a bird. He can't box anybody out. Um <laughs> 
So that's a problem. But like, I, 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 it just seems like, look, there were a lot of questions about can this, can his defense work in the modern NBA and blah, 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 blah. And like, Tibbs. they're not, yeah, Tibbs. And they're, look, they're not the ice doing, stuff. yeah, they're, they're not even doing much ice. So like, he's clearly adjusted. I think that we can all step back now and maybe take a look back at Minnesota and maybe we can admit that like, Look, Tibbs wasn't perfect there, but I think there were a lot bigger issues. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had a quote last night where after they they played, uh, they played, the Warriors played Minnesota. And, you know, Wiggins had a nice game, whatever. So they're talking to him afterwards. I don't remember what exactly the question was, but he mentioned how with Golden State, it's nice because he knows exactly what his role is. He knows what minutes he's going to get. Everything is organized. Everything is straightforward. And And he specifically said, he was like, you know, it was only like that for a couple of years in Minnesota when Tibbs was there. Um, huh? So, so he threw like, Ryan Saunders under the bus, Ryan Saunders. He threw cat effectively under the bus. He threw, yeah. um, who was it? Sam Mitchell, I guess before that under uh-huh. the bus. Um, and look like, I mean, cat, like you know, great talented player. Um, I, I don't have a lot, whole lot of sympathy for guys who can't play with Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, like if your issue is that Jimmy wants to win, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Maybe that's a you problem. Um, was it Ben Simmons might have had a problem? People at least rumor or speculate. Sorry, say that again. Uh, ben Simmons potentially had a problem with playing with him. At least people speculate. Yeah, I mean, that was in the book, too. Um, which one? Uh, Jerome Wright's, Wright's yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentioned it at the very end of that book as that being a, a motivation, a, mo- a, a, a one of the motivations of not bringing Butler back. I mean, look, man, I, Ben Simmons confounds me. Last year, I was impressed by him. This year, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Um, I didn't watch that game last night. I just saw the box score. He only played 21 minutes. What was up with that? It's his, it's his third game now in a young season where he's had major foul trouble, which is new for Ben. It's not something I've seen before. Yeah, and it's just like I think the, the Sixers have been terrible in the games that Embiid hasn't played, right? Mm-hmm. Is that true? It, That's true. It, it, it does like 12 work. and 2 with them and like all yeah. and 4 without them, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, stuff like that really worries me because the question isn't, we all, I think we all know, no, even his biggest skeptics know that Ben Simmons is a for sure like super talented player, obviously can do a lot of impressive things on the court given his size, passing ability, ball handling, defense. There's no question that he's, you know, some kind of elite talent. Um, but, you know, he's on a max contract now. He's not some just unproven young guy on a rookie contract trying to figure out his place in the NBA. Like, I mean, maybe he he is still figuring out his place in the NBA, but he should be closer to that than it seems at times when I watch them. Um, You're saying what a Canadian would say, just figure it out. Yeah, no, I just heard old already. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's true though. Like I, I just, I don't get it when I watch him and I, I forgot who might've been Derek Bodner. He wrote a piece maybe a week or two ago where he had all these stats and it was just like, you know, Simmons is basically like shooting less on drives than he did even as a rookie. It, it was after the Memphis game and it was, yeah. yeah, he's not a threat to get to the rim right now. And it's crazy to me because like, I, I mean, I remember talking to you about this. Uh, I think pretty much, you know, when uh, the Sixers were making all their moves in the off season. Um, but like, I, I was really like, I'm really bullish on this team 
I was really bullish on the team coming into the season because I thought that Maury had done a really, really good job of just like immediately coming in. I mean, he got off the Horford deal for basically jack shit, which is impressive. That was impressive, um, yeah. And then he and then and he got back Danny Green in that too. So it's like okay, yeah. so you, so you you're got getting back like some a value. Yeah, you getting you get like a big wing uh, who can at least theoretically can shoot space the floor. Um, and then you know I loved I loved that Seth Curry deal. I remember talking to you about that. Um, Do you know what they traded to get Seth Curry? Yes, Josh Richardson, who is not good, uh, and a second round pick, Tyrell Terry. Who and do you know? Him. And do you know where they got that second round pick? Was that in the uh, the, the Horford deal? That was the Willie. Oh, the Guillermo Willie <laughs> Ernie Gomez deal from Phil Jackson and Sam Hankey. There you go. There you go. So one of those. One of the two Knicks second rounders that uh, Phil gave up for Willie was used to get Seth. Yeah, like, and I, I, I love Maxi. I love that pick. I, I, they, they drafted Isaiah Joe too, right? Am I correct yeah. on that? Yeah. I love Isaiah Joe. I don't think he's been playing too much, but I really like him. He has, um, but um, but he looks like he could become like a decent version if Furkan had to miss time, which he did. Yeah, Joe didn't really crack the lineup much unless we had like a COVID outbreak. But yeah, he looks good. You can yeah. see for sure. And then I mean, Shake has been really good every time I've happened to watch the Sixers. Shake's good. Uh, Shake's yeah. actually good. Yeah, yeah he that's, seems that's like exciting. actually good. And like I just to me there's is the spacing perfect? No, it's not perfect. No. But it's it's way better than it was last year and I think that it's good enough that I, I don't think the the struggles Ben Simmons is having offensively to me at this point cannot just be chalked up to like well the spacing sucks and this is a terrible situation. Like this isn't last year. And um yeah, I mean I it is really concerning to me that basically like they're amazing when Joel plays, but then as soon as Joel sits, um the other star on the team can't seem to to get them going in that in that sense. And that that is a concern for me. It's a concern. Um there is the, there is that stat from a year ago. It was probably around this time last year we were talking about it. When Ant- when LeBron sits, the team stinks. Um, and Anthony Davis cannot buttress the lineup. And but we saw in the playoffs, like, okay, take it back. He's a top five player, bar none. So, so I think the difference there for me is that didn't surprise me so much with the Lakers because they had no they have no offensive engine without LeBron. Like it's went last year anyway, like what fucking Kuzma is going to come in run point or like that, that's your shout out to Schroeder, isn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Schroeder, I guess can nominally do it now, but like they, they just, it, it wasn't too surprising for me in that sense. What is surprising for me with this is I, I don't even think it's just that like the defense falls off. Like they put up what 104 last night against the Pistons. I mean, I know the Pistons actually play pretty good defense, but it's just like, like it, it seems like the offense doesn't really get going either when Joel is out. And that is more of a concern. Like if they were just losing games, like you know, one twenty-five, one thirty, or something, when Joel is out, okay, fine, whatever. I, I, I would actually, in some ways, I might even be encouraged by that because I'm like, okay, so Ben can at least get this offense like humming, like so that that part of it is true. Like the Ben Simmons truthers were right. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I, I won twenty-eight bucks betting against the Sixers last night. It wasn't oh. enough to get me to root against them. I would have happily taken the win. But knowing that Joel was out, I was like, you know what? This is an L. Jeremy Grant's going to slice him up. 
Yeah, he did. And he's been great. Um, but yeah, I just look, I, the Joel stuff, I mean, not the Joel stuff, but the, the Simmons stuff is just confounding for me. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on kind of what you've seen from him this year, but I know that you're, you've always been a pretty big Simmons guy. Um, yep. But, and I know that actually, even before the season, you were saying that, like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him for Harden. I, I don't think that's a good deal, actually. Um, and yep. I don't, I don't, I mean, do you still feel that way or I've, you know? I've, you've experienced, we, we talk on either your pod or Twitter or this pod once every handful of weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have continuously waffled on this position and I got to the point where I wouldn't have traded Simmons straight up for Harden. And then I changed my mind when I saw Ben Simmons playing this year. And <laughs> my take, my take wasn't, uh, he, he needs to shoot. He hasn't developed offensively. My take was he's dealing with legitimate injuries. He's played now 18 games in a calendar year and he dealt with a nerve impingement in his back. And then he dealt with a dislocated, partially dislocated kneecap, which is an injury that can recur. And it doesn't always require surgery, but his did. So now I'm thinking, okay, if you're not going to develop as a shooter, and you are going to classify as kind of a unicorn, like you're one of the fastest players in the league and you're, you're 6'10", 230, whatever, you're a freight train. What happens if you lose a step or two? Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I came around to the trade. I would not – I'm okay with what they did in terms of declining. Yeah, so what – What? I, I, didn't, I didn't read the uh, all the stuff on the Sixer side of it, but was it essentially that – they said no because Houston wanted uh, Thibel and Maxi. The the final sort of roundup I read was three picks, Maxi and Simmons, and the Sixers drew the line there. Was and it at Maxi, or was it just like we're not going to give you all that? We'll give you some of it. No, I think it was the total package. I'm sure if it was like give us Maxi and Thibel and one pick, they would have done it. Give us, you know, some combination therein. Yeah, but so you still, think... that way you still have assets to move later on. Right. Yeah. And and the the thing that I add to this, because I think it's easy to hear that and think that was the bottom line that would have got a yes, but you know that's not necessarily the case because that's where Philadelphia said no and drew a line, and then that gets reported. Fertitta didn't necessarily want to work with them, but what happens if the Sixers had said yes to that amount, then – Houston calls back Brooklyn and then now Brooklyn can shop Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe DeAndre Jordan, and maybe they get other stuff or assets. And so then they can come back with another offer and then you go back to Philly, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know that that, that deal gets a yes, but that's where Philadelphia said no. Yeah. And look, like I, I think Harden, I mean, I, I, I hate, I despise Harden. So um, <laughs> not as much as your co-host. No, True. not as much as my co-host, but I've always, uh, you know, I think you know this. I'm not a big Harden fan. I, I love Harden, so yeah, I, I'm not a fan of how he plays and all that yeah. stuff. I know that he's he's very good. He's a, he's a great player. I know that. I yeah. just don't really care for him or any of yeah, his I feel that. antics. Um, but I, I thought that if if it was essentially Simmons plus some stuff for Harden, that the Sixers should do it. I've, I got there eventually. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was pretty consistently there. I will say that I don't really, I don't love that deal for Brooklyn. Um, 
Yeah. I actually, I don't, I don't really even get it. Like, I mean, I get it. I get it. You get Harden. Okay. You're going to like, basically they're just like, okay, we've got three studs. We're just going to try and out talent everybody and outscore everybody. Um, and that works when a few of your guys, those guys, those top three guys, if they're two way players, I don't know if, I don't think it works when two of them are, are not like, Kyrie and and Harden are absolutely not, you know, giving you at best they're what neutrals on defense, and that's like at best. I think there's a, I think there's a big difference between the two. I think Harden's much much better at defense than Kyrie. Over he the last is. Three years. He he is much better on defense, but you don't you're not getting him for his defense. I get it. Yeah, and and also like he's he's really good at defending big guys, right? Yeah. But that means. It's like you're essentially still hiding him, mm-hmm. so it's still like it's like again. So it's essentially a neutral value to me, like because he's sure. not he's not giving you like he's not adding dimensions to your defense or anything. I and think his, his reputation was unfair to him at times, and then eventually he was able to capitalize on it. Like teams would target him and post him up, and it wouldn't work. And so then he he ended up with these like overwhelmingly positive synergy stats like hey he's not a guy to target in an iso but it's because teams were playing suboptimally right. to, to target him yeah and i and then it's like you know i always think like okay well what happens if you have a team that can go five out and you got hardened on the perimeter like how's that working put him in screens what's he doing um but like spolester is not going to make those mistakes he's going to no. play them optimally yeah. yeah yeah and and i mean look i watched that game last night they played against uh brooklyn or it was against Miami, um, and they played good defense, but like, it's like okay, you did that for one game, but we've also seen three consecutive games. You got ripped up for two games in a row by one of the worst offensive teams in the league in Cleveland. Um, you get torched by a Butlerless, uh, you know, just a shorthanded Miami team. The Sixers uh, barely barely beat the heat without bam and jimmy they're right. just like they're gonna compete there's that stupid culture thing yeah 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 and 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 it was the same thing yesterday they pulled away at the end but the whole game was like a battle and yeah. and it's just like i mean the Kyrie thing you can't depend on this guy okay no. um total head case i i still don't buy into this like i don't think he's a point guard i think he is a guy who can score a lot and will get assists when he handles the ball a ton, but he's not particularly effective at keeping guys involved uh, like good point guards do. Um, and and it's like, okay, you've got three guys who can, it's a diminishing returns thing, right? Like if you have three, if you had, you already had Kyrie and KD. So like to me at that point, I don't know that shot creation should be some major priority for you in the trade market. And if it is, I don't know if it's wise to give up the value you did, even if it is James freaking Harden, right? Like, I totally understand the star power thing, but it's like like Miami, okay? So th- when the Heatles came around, my like LeBron, and they opened up like eight and eight or something like that. Yeah, and 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 but it was it was to me it was like, okay, LeBron and Wade aren't the cleanest fit. Bosh is gonna have to sacrifice, but you always knew that LeBron and Wade were elite defensive players and Bosch was a good defensive player who became elite in Miami defensively. Um, yep. Like, like it, there was value on both sides of the ball with those guys. And 
I just don't know. Like what? Like, and then you got DeAndre Jordan there. He's going to be your like you're, you're winning a championship with DeAndre Jordan in the year 2021 as our starting center. Like, I don't think so. Um, I, look, I, I still think that like Philly. I think I think Maury has a move somewhere, maybe two, a couple of moves, depending on how loyal he is to Ben Simmons, which I don't imagine is super loyal. Um, the market has to be slim at this point for trading Ben. Like he, he might trade him for Beal. I'm sure if you off the record, Joel, Joel would say, let's do it. Um, but I don't see a lot of other opportunities or like moments where you're, I don't think you're going to do it for Levine. I think you'd rather give up like three young guys and three. Yeah. Yeah. For Levine. Yeah. You're definitely not doing a Simmons for Levine thing. Right. But like th- that's kind of my thing is like, I, I think Levine is gettable. Is he, the guy that I would target if I were them, maybe not. Uh, I, I Who would kind, you target. I well, I I don't think it'll happen now because Fertitta apparently has zero interest in dealing with Maury. But um, I mean, I thought I thought well, oh, like Depot, a Gordon Tucker. You know, I I, I thought a Depot or Tuck and Tucker move would have been nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think that like I think there are moves out there for them that'll, and I think some moves might even, you know. It, it, there are there are always moves that come up that like you don't think of at the time, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that something will come up for them. I think Maury will make a move. Uh, it feels like you guys probably need another creator um, for the fiftieth season in a row. Yeah, um, I could make an argument. Like they, <laughs> I could make an argument. They could beat this team. They could beat that team. Maybe someone has an outbreak. Maybe someone gets hurt. Obviously, the Nets are thin, so you'd have to say that there's a reasonable chance that any one of those three gets hurt. And then they're probably done. I don't think they absolutely, absolutely need Kyrie to win a title. If Kyrie got hurt in the middle of the playoffs, I think they could win anyway between Harden and KD if KD is KD. But um, I think if you're the Sixers, just because you could maybe beat someone doesn't mean you're likely to beat four of them and then the Lakers, three of them and then the Lakers. So I I would think you, you need another really good player. And yeah, and not I not going to be think, CJ McCollum now that he's hurt. Look, I I just think that um, like who knows what's going on with this year, right? Like Toronto is they've bounced back a little bit, but then they had this fucking horrific loss yesterday to the Pacers. Um, I know Siakam didn't play. I know Siakam's just been weird the entire season too. Like, you know, is he good? Is he washed? Who the hell knows? Yeah, there's he? a legitimate. Would you rather have OG than him? <laughs> it's it's I, like that I, emerged in the hardened sweepstakes. Yeah, it was. It's there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now. Um, Brooklyn is plus three seventy five to win the title, and the Lakers are plus two fifteen. So that's I, a big difference. The, the Lakers would murder them in a series. Like if Anthony so. Davis is alive, it's over. It's over because <laughs> the, who's defending Anthony Davis? Not DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is going to check Anthony Davis. Fucking KD, the Slender Man, not happening. Like. <laughs> the, <laughs> It's not happening. It's not like, and like, don't even get like, and I, I'm just talking about AD, like LeBron, who the hell is KD is not KD on, on the most loaded warriors team. God bless his soul. Um, you know, was phenomenal offensively in both of those series did not even slow LeBron down for a second. Right. Um, not going to slow down LeBron this time either. It's not happening. Uh, Joe Harris tries hard on defense might actually sadly be their best defender. Not happening. Rumors uh, that they might get JaVale or Kevin Love. You hear those? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 
love thing, man. It's like, please trade for love. Just so I can see a team that has no interest at all in playing defense. defense. Um, look, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that... But do you think that they are overwhelming favorites to win the East like Vegas does? I don't. I don't. I think, like, I'm telling you, man, if Maury can get... If there's some way to get Levine without giving up Simmons or... Like, if you can get Levine without giving up Simmons, without giving up Curry, without giving up... Levine would have to say, I want to be there and I'm not interested in re-signing here long-term. So if you don't trade me now, you're going to have to trade me in a year. Yeah, and I, I and I, honestly, I'm not even sure that Chicago... I'm not convinced they want to keep him either. I, I think that they would be okay dealing with him. Um, it, it reminds me of Deshaun Watson. It's like, yeah, he's really good, but like we're, we stink anyway. Yeah, and I mean, like the Deshaun thing is interesting because they have fucked themselves so hard that actually trading him might be a good move for the Texans. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, with Chicago, it's just like, okay, what are we actually doing with this team? And is it going somewhere? Are we attractive to free agents if we keep this team together? Do we have the cap space to really be a player in free agency anyways? Um, they don't have any excess picks right now. So for a rebuilding team or nominally a rebuilding team i think that is always a, a tricky thing like I, I think the knicks have some options with randall because we we have those dallas dallas picks coming they've <clears throat> that actually i mean the detroit second rounder we have this year is effectively like a late first do you um, think that, do you think dallas could miss the playoffs and the knicks yes. have two lottery picks absolutely i think i think it's in play it's definitely in play is it the most likely outcome no. no but this is this is like again gonna reference our friend john uh jonathan macri we should have had him on too <laughs> i know right but he spent a lot of time and a lot of knicks fans spent a lot of time this offseason just essentially dismissing the idea that that 21 dallas pick could be a lottery pick and it's just like man i don't know like i just looked at the we see this all the time with young teams right even with prodigies where you know nobody expected dallas to be at like People thought they'd be good last year. I don't think anybody expects them to be this historically great offense, right? Um, so they're this historically great offense. Luca has this amazing first round series against the Clippers, and he comes into the season. He's the MVP favorite. People are calling him a dark horse to win a championship. And we see this all the time with these young teams where it's like sometimes that step you think that they're making. It, it's not straightforward. It, it isn't just easy. It doesn't just mean, okay, well, they took this step and now they're going to take another step. Sometimes they might even regress a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. And Porzingis and, is a guy that creates tons of volatility. You could be a 10th seed or you could win the West depending on his health. So those are, those are bets I like to make if there's that much volatility. Yeah. And, and so they're eight and nine right now. Lucas played, Lucas averaging, he's averaging 27, 10 and 10. Not the most efficient 27, but 27, 10, and 10 is pretty solid. Um, <laughs> they're eight and nine. Their offense is nowhere near as good as it was last year. Yeah. Um, Plus 2,500 to win the title, which is, yeah, that's, you know, it's that's pretty far down there between Philly and the Trailblazers. If you want to throw away money, that's one way to do it. Yep. Um, I, it's, I mean, it's higher than the, than the Suns, who I think have a better team. I love the Suns. I love what they did this offseason. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, we knew that Curry was coming back. 
and that the Warriors would be better. Um, we knew that, you know, I thought for sure the Suns were going to be better and probably, I mean, I, I had them pretty much locked in as a playoff team. I think I tweeted out multiple times that I liked them as if, like, if it, there was a dark horse in the West, I, I would have, I liked them does, as a dark does horse. Does Mikhail Bridges haunt you in the way that he haunts Sixers fans? You wish the <laughs> Knicks took him? No, because we're so far away from competing that it's like, okay, whatever. And okay. it's a new front office and yeah. whatever. I, I, I said the Knicks should have drafted him when they, <clears throat> when that draft came around, but like, I don't know, maybe because I'm just so immune to the Knicks not doing anything I want and fucking up. You that were I'm just right. Like, I said they should have drafted Knox. I, I, I was like, of course, Mikhail's probably going to be better, but the Knicks need one franchise player, and at least Knox has more upside. We know like Mikhail's going to be 3 and D. That was my reasoning, which was bad. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, I just think late lottery, sometimes you're better off just taking a, a guy that you see a straightforward path for. Yeah. Um, Think but what yeah, he said on podcasts, you're right. Yeah, so it's I mean, yeah, but it, it doesn't haunt me. But like, I mean, look, you, you have Booker. Booker hasn't even really gotten going yet this year. Um, yeah, he just got a hamstring. Yeah, Aiton has him and I think him and there's like this weird balancing thing that you always have to figure out, right? When you add a high usage guy. Yeah. So I think like between Paul and Booker and Aiton, they're still working things out. But that trio when you just think about it, it makes complete sense. They've got shooting like crazy amounts of shooting on that team. Um, I have no idea how you defend them. Pl- come playoff time. You've got two of the best perimeter shot creators in the NBA. Uh, you've got a guy who can post up pretty easy in a and get you an efficient bucket. Um, they can spread the floor. They've got good defenders actually. Um, even Booker. I think he's been like giving effort on defense and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, we'll see, but I, I just liked their makeup a lot more than Dallas. I hated the Curry trade for Dallas. I hated that trade for them because, like, I just don't think – I think the idea of Josh Richardson is so much better than what Josh Richardson actually is. Um, like, I, I have to think that at least Luca welcomed it because he's like, all right, thank goodness I don't have to guard, like, really hard to defend point guards. <laughs> and you might have put me on one when we had Seth, but now you'll never put me on one. Right. And it's like, but it's like now he's also like, oh, so he's like, like, what is, what is Josh Richardson? I swear he shoots like 37% or something from three. But when I watch him play, I'm just like, you shoot 7% from three. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's you. Yeah. I, he, I, he's down, he's down this year from last year. I mean, I know it's a small sample, but like he had a down year last year. So this is now so far two seasons down in a row. Yeah, like who? I, Sixteen of fifty from threes. He he might have benefited from kind of having a little more carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wanted in Miami, compared to in Philly and Dallas where they have stars and he kind of has to to play off of them. Is that uh, what Julius Randall's doing? I mean, Julius Randall is yeah. It it feels it feels pretty legit and. It, I mean, would he be able to put up the same numbers if he was playing with Luka Doncic? Absolutely not. No, nor would you um, want him to. But yeah, would, would he, he be, be able good to... on a contender? Or would I, he be? I want to say in the right scenario, yes. Could he um, be like, like I guess I'm thinking like Lakers Odom or something. I I think yeah, the way he's playing right now is just like 
shockingly sustainable to me. That's probably the best way to, to put it. Where it's like that's gonna be my header for this pod. <laughs> is it, Julius Randle's play shockingly sustainable? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean the thing is he's we ha- we're not even putting like I said, we're not even putting him in optimal situations. And right. he's playing really well. So it's like, what would happen if we actually put him in a situation where he has a spaced floor? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. If there was Um, a report that broke that he was on the market, how would you feel right now emotionally? I would probably be a, I would be annoyed because um, yeah, you, you like, like the idea of having him next year for cost controlled I like the I, I like the idea of the Knicks having a player who right now is 26 he's playing it quite frankly an all-star level mm-hmm. um, and yeah cost controlled he's got he's under he's less making less than 20 million next year I think it's 19.3 yep. or something like that and you don't even have to decide on that you could just yeah, you just pick up the option and yeah. go with it. It's a partial guarantee for four mil that he's got. Right. Um, so he's a good trade chip just in case. Yeah, yeah he's, he's there. I, I like the idea of like, I'm not completely sold that the Knicks need to have some like high usage primary ball handler. I, Would I think you that, trade him for like Jonathan Isaac and expirings if Orlando suddenly wanted him? Um, I love Jonathan Isaac, but with his injury history, probably not. Yeah. Um, that's a little scary. Like I, I'm he's played himself. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but he's basically made himself to me like somebody that Knicks need to consider building with rather than moving on from flipping. Um, right. Yeah. And, and like, like he's 26. Like we don't, again, he's not even playing in an optimal situation. Like what happens if you get like, if I don't even think, I, I really don't know if people realize like the Knicks guard situation is so bad, but what if they, like, they don't even need necessarily an all-star, but how much better is that team? How much better is Randall? How much better is RJ? How much better is Mitchell Robinson? If they just had like, I don't know, Malcolm Brogdon, really good player, really, mm-hmm. really good player, but not like if they forget, forget Brogdon, let's just, cause he's actually playing amazing this year. Let's say, let's say Fred Van Vliet. Okay. If the Knicks have Fred Van Vliet, how much better is that team, I think significantly better just because he can shoot and all of a sudden you can't play zone on the Knicks. And all of a sudden you can't collapse three Are guys. Are you seeing a lot of zone? Ton, a ton. Portland huh. almost exclusively played zone against us. Huh. Um, and defensively, yeah, like, defensively, the Knicks are number one in the league against three point percentage. Did you know that? I did. It's been a very weird, high right? talking point. 
Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm just getting. I'm just catching. No, speed. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I think the Randall thing is interesting. But to go back to the the Dallas discussion, like, yeah, I, I absolutely, um, think that they can like. Phoenix uh, is obviously they were going to jump up. I thought Warriors were going to jump up. I'm actually really surprised. I think the Grizzlies, what I said about the Mavericks in terms of dropping off young teams sometimes that randomly jump up, they don't have a linear progression and might drop off a little bit. Right. I thought Memphis might, might drop off because Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't going to be healthy to start the season. Uh, and then Morant got hurt. What was it, like the second or third game of the season? He gets yeah, hurt. Bad, bad rolled yeah, ankle. Bad rolled ankle. And then, But like, Boom, they, just, they just keep plugging away and playing super good defense and and everyone who has their draft picks is miserable <laughs> right right exactly and it's Any just like <laughs> it's yeah the best the goat right there um but yeah like uh, it's it, so they're they're still hanging out uh yeah the pelicans are failing miserably to to help me out but like that's three oh so right speaking there. of that lonzo and jj reddick on the move interest in either for any I, team in the division um, if I was Brooklyn, I would have a ton of interest in getting Lonzo. Lonzo, but but I don't think that they have the juice to get that done anymore. No. Um, if I, I mean, was, unless they randomly liked Harris or something. I mean, like if I was Philly, I would have a ton of interest in Redick, for sure. You would. Yeah, hundred percent. He's playing like he's shooting like shit this year. I don't buy that. That's some inexorable decline that he's on. I, I think that he's just. He's having a bad start to the season, um, and I, I don't. Like, I don't know what they would have to do to get it done, like Mike Scott and some cheap guys, or would you? Because I wouldn't want to throw a pick. Green or Seth Curry. You could probably like. Could you do a protected first that turns into like a couple of seconds? But would to make that? the money, Reddick makes like thirteen mil. Don't you have to? So you do Scott. You do. I mean, you maybe maybe you don't even need to do a pick because, you know, David Griffin is just an asset collecting. Quarter. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do a first for JJ at this yeah, point so if, if I had so, to make the money work. So maybe you can do, I mean, I I could pull up the Sixers contracts right now, but I mean, yeah, just what, ballpark, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd rather a long between the two. See, I just, I don't, I, you already, you have big Lonzo. You have big Lonzo. You don't need, you don't need little Lonzo. And he's not um, shooting well, but he, he's, he, I think last year was a total fluke with his shot. Um, yeah, what, he shot like right. 30. Seven percent from three, and he shot. He still he still shot like fifty five percent from the free throw line or something. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't like guys where the the split is that significant between. No, it's ugly. Yeah, it's it, so what? Like okay, so you're looking at this. Has Danny Green been good at all for you guys? I have no idea. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay, so then sorry. So you do you do Ferguson, you do Mike Scott, and you do like Poirier. That's fine. That that, okay. that, that gets you there. Throw a couple of seconds or something in the deal. Yeah, I, I could do that if that worked. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're if they if they need to like you know sell it to the fan base, like they're getting some. Maybe you throw Isaiah Joe in there. You wouldn't you wouldn't have to sell oh to their fan base. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have to do Joe. Not for ours, you could just say Joel loves him, and they'll play handoff. Yeah, and I think I think Philly fans. I mean, he was good for Philly, so I'm assuming most Philly fans are like would be cool. I, I think most do. Um, the ones that go to the stadium certainly did, but the ones on Twitter are pretty hard on them. Yeah, I mean that's just the nature of Twitter, where everybody True. sucks. Um, <laughs> but JJ, especially, they just <laughs> brutalize him for that admission with Mo Bamba about like seeing someone in a cage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he had to like delete social media because they they just demolished him. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that 
I would do that for them. I think, you know, could could another one of these teams use him? With Tor- Toronto, I don't think they need any of those guys. Do you think Toronto could become a seller if yes. they do not? Yeah. Yeah. Like who, would, Lowry, who would you look to sell? Lowry? Lowry, right? Isn't that the, the guy? I mean. Only if maybe, he wants to. Like, he's he's kind of like Dame Lillard. Like, just build yeah. his statue there. He's the best player in franchise history, essentially, right? Hey, man, bring him home to Philly, right? Yeah, North Philly. He's a little, <laughs> what is he, like 36? I wouldn't want to pay yeah, him. but 35, 36. But, yeah, I mean, like. But they could uh, use him for sure right now. Yeah, I mean, what? You just do Danny Green and Seth Curry for Kyle Lowry? Okay. Um, yeah. Get throw Mike Scott in there. That money will work. Tobias uh, Harris, would you do? I would, I would do that. But I think he's actually been good this year, right? He has been good. It's funny. You and I had a conversation where we were talking about unloading Horford or Harris, and you were trying to give me Randall, and I was like, we can't take Randall because he can't shoot. And the values have sort of fluctuated, right? Uh, yeah. Harris is playing better than he was like the worst contract in the league, and now I feel like he's probably not. Well, his contract was always interesting to me because it was always like the kind of thing where as less of it existed, he would become more valuable mm-hmm. um, because he can shoot. And like guys that can shoot that play that big forward position will always have value in the NBA. And so, Doc <laughs> Doc has been playing really – he's like the Toby Whisperer or something. Yeah, right? He got him like shooting, what, 43% in L.A. that year? And now he's back to shooting like great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's even – gotten rid of a lot of the annoying mid-range stuff too right he's shooting more threes this year i wouldn't say gotten rid of but he has he has adjusted his shooting profile for sure like he was probably like 92nd percentile in frequency with not so great accuracy and now he's like reduced his frequency and improved his accuracy from mid-range yeah that's that's perfect that's That's exactly what you want um yeah like i I mean there's there's so many moves to be made out here in the league who knows like you know, fucking, you got Minnesota out there doing God knows what with that team. What are uh, they going to do? I mean, how, how Chris Persinian is it? Yeah. He put out there, who's the best player here? Vucevic, Gobert, Towns, or DeMontis Sabonis? Who would you pick? The best player? Yeah, which one of those is your four? Vuce, Gobert, Sabonis, or Cat? Towns, yeah. Uh, probably Gobert. Take probably. Gobert. I mean... I'm not his biggest fan. Like the thing with Gobert is I think I think like uh nerd Twitter loves him a little bit too much, but I also think that like, you know, fucking I test bag Twitter uh hate him way too much. Like I, I am neither, but I, I certainly side more with the I test bag Twitter. Um <laughs> I think like his defensive stat stats are like fine. But I've seen in the playoffs, like him just not be helpful. But like, so that's the thing for me is how many, like the teams that really made him useless in the playoffs, it was basically Houston, the five out Houston team and the five out Golden State death ball team, right? So it's like, okay, those teams just, there is no teams of that caliber, I don't think. Houston did it to Towns too, for the record. Not not even Butler and Thibs. Yeah, not, not even the caliber, I guess, but like, like, okay, the Lakers are a great team, but they can't play Gobert off the floor. Like, there is no team now that you, you can don't trust around. Caruso to run that high screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I really don't think that there's a team now in the NBA or a good team in the NBA that can play a guy like Gobert off the floor now, which changes his value to me. <laughs> um, true, like, and, true. I, and I thought, I thought he was awesome in that 
like, I mean, I know they lost that series, but I thought he was really, really good in that series against Denver last year. Yeah, uh, don't no, don't get me wrong. He's a, yeah. he's an excellent player. Um, yeah, and it's like, I mean, it's funny to think about it, but it's like, you know, that's how much perceptions can change. But it's like, what kindly shot rims out in Game Seven. Oh, that yeah. shot. Yeah, rims out, and then yeah, you know, Denver does this epic comeback thing against the Clippers. And they Thank get to a conference because Jamal yeah. Murray was so fun to watch during <laughs> yeah, right. a hard time in the world. <laughs> and and then you know then they get the conference finals and they're this rising young team and people are like sleeping on Utah to start this year. But if you really think about it, like that could have easily been Utah, right? They easily could have been the team that okay they they win this seven game grind against Denver and then they upset the Clippers and then they you know do you think Doc would have blown it against Utah too? <laughs> I think Doc would have blown it against anybody, man. <laughs> Mantras, his How like, should mantra. I feel about Doc <laughs> kind of looking good in Philly, knowing that history? I don't think he has a. There were, to be fair to Doc. Uh, be fair. I think be fair. There was a lot of weird locker room stuff going on with that Clippers team last I'm year. I'm sorry, man. That's not good enough. Come on. No, it, it's it's but it's and it's stupid. It in the playoffs, he needs to like not play Montrez and he plays like shit, even if that means Montrez is going to be a whiny baby. Um, yeah, even but, if you lose the quote-unquote old guard who didn't like Kawhi getting load managed, <laughs> come on. But, like, I don't think he's going to have that problem in Philly because I think everybody knows, like, Embiid is, he's the alpha. Everybody knows it. And uh, I don't think that there's, that you're not, like, adding somebody, in, you're not adding, like, these two stars into the mix to upset kind of something organic that you had built before. It, it, there's just not going to be that chemistry issues, those right, chemistry so, issues. So tell, I know we're bouncing around like crazy, but I don't care. I like it. Um, tell me, here's my fears. Joel is squarely in the MVP conversation. He's going to want it. He's openly spoken, and he might even have some contract incentives to, like, first-team All-NBA, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP. So he sees that we're 0-4 without him, and he's going to want to not load manage. And then maybe Doc and Daryl say, okay, you know, Daryl didn't load manage James, and he at least has the narrative of fatiguing in the playoffs. Do you think they're going to maybe start overworking him based on the early returns? Um, I would say no. I feel like Maury is pretty – I feel like he's shrewd. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that he's going to, uh, I, I just can't imagine him risking Embiid for like regular season glory. But then again, like, but he, what if Embiid's saying that's what I want? Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like a uh, pitcher in the ninth. Uh, he, I mean, he let Harden do whatever the hell he wanted. Right. So, but at least Harden was like Iron Man. 15 pounds lighter than Joel. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was also, I mean, Arden just doesn't get hurt. He uh, is an Iron Man. He yeah. is. And, and knock wood, he stays one, but I'm not betting on it. Like anything could happen this year. Right. I, I think, I, th I think they're being okay with though with MB, right? Like they, they've rested him enough. Like they, I think, and I think he gets that. Like, it, I think it's the balance. It seems like they've made is okay. When you, when you're playing, you get to play like, the minutes, right? He's no, he's not even. They're they're keeping him under. He's right. He, he got like forty points in thirty minutes the other night or something. Right, and 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 so it's like okay, when when you're when you're on the court, we'll play like when you're healthy to play. We're not going to do a big minutes restriction thing. Like you get to play. Yeah, but they've also worked in like 
rest games, right? For him, back tightness games, yeah, right. So I think I think that they're doing they're threading that that the needle perfectly uh, with massaging Joel's ego, but also getting him to kind of give them a little something to 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 load manage. All right, let's let's wrap up with a lightning round. And mind you, I don't have these pre-written, so I'm going to make them up as we go. Let's do it. All right, gun to your head, knowing that anything is possible. Like there could be COVID outbreaks, postponements. Danny Ainge might even make a blockbuster trade. What's <laughs> your what's your ranking in the East right now? Um, Win the East, probability wise. Probability wise. All right, let's see. Uh, I would say. I would say Philly. Wow. I would say Philly one. Yeah. I'm so really glad like, we had you here. <laughs> I would say Philly. I would say Brooklyn. Is that based I, on a potential blockbuster for Levine or is that just, do you think Seth Curry's going to help him I, get there? I just, I don't see who's defending Embiid in this conference. See, my, my other fear is that, like, are they playing too much hero ball? Is he due to come back, regress a little bit? His jumper's falling, man. It's falling. I just, I, like, he, he's also just this monster at getting to the line, and then he's great around the rim. Like, he's, he's playing better than, uh, and I think he's playing the best ball of his career. Oh, um, by far. He's pretty, pretty he's easily. Playing like right Kobe now. Bryant in the half court. He's taking these fallaway jumpers from 20. Yeah, and it's look the the big thing for me with Embiid was always, um, you know, big guy the best big guys. You look throughout history, the best big guys that you run offense and all that shit, they're always over fifty percent from the field, all of them. Yeah, every single one, other than Dirk. But now oh, because, I was just gonna say, what about Dirk? Other than Dirk, and that's because he was like you know God from three. Yeah. yeah, but like other than that, these guys are almost as a rule of thumb at least fifty percent. And Joel was never 50% because he was always taking these bullshit mid-range shots and whatever. Um, I, I trying to look up his. He's shooting. like 55, 40, 83. Oh my God. He's shooting 63.6% from 16 to he's 16 feet to, to he's 58% from mid-range, which is best in the league right now, which is absurd. So I mean, I, I'm banking in some regression to the mean, but still. Let's say let's say it comes down. What does what he historically shot like forty eight percent? Yeah, about that. So we so see the difference. Okay, so maybe he comes if he can just keep this above fifty percent. Um, I'm really bullish on them because I just don't see who defends him in the half court. Dude, dude's shooting like ten and a half free throws per game. Also, right. I don't know if refs are going to let that happen in a playoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he got to the line a bunch last year in that series, right? True. True. Um. I think that, he, and yeah, like I, I, I really think Maury is. There's no way Maury's going through a season like this. He's gonna look at the lay of the land and he's gonna be like this. I mean, he already took this job because he's like, we can win a title. Yeah. He's gonna look at the at this league right now and be like, there's a title. Like, we can definitely win it this year. They can. Yeah. I need him to figure out who the heck is under underutilized right now and go get him. Yeah, like he, he's like gonna on right or something. Yeah, he, he's going to make some move somewhere that is going to sh- surprise us all because there's just no way that I can see it him in this league sitting on, you know, Maury, Maury's always trying to win. And like he uh, said uh, in Houston, if we have a 5% chance and now the Sixers are 
7% per 538 and 5% per Vegas. So he said, if, if you have about that, don't hold your picks basically like start firing bullets. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm sure he wants to, I'm sure he's ready to fire, you know, all the bullets. So, um, <laughs> I, I think he's going to make a move. So I, I would say Philly one, let's say Philly Bro- one. Brooklyn two, let's say Brooklyn Milwaukee two. three, mm-hmm. and let's say Boston four. Boston four. Okay. And so you're, you're lower than I might've guessed on Miami. I think the, the bubble stuff with them. I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. So I still don't buy it. I need to see it again. You mean the bubble run? Yeah. I just, I don't buy it. Oh, I, I guess it, it could have been either. It could have been an economic reference too, right? <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> the bubble burst. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, and, and the, here's the thing though, too, is like, I think I, I just, I feel like the East is so up for, for grabs. So if you, if somebody was like, I have, Brooklyn one and Boston two and Miami three, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like, yeah, I, it's hard to argue with any of that, right? Yeah, the, the East is way more open to me than than the West. And um yeah, look, we saw it last year, right? Like and it ended up being Miami coming out. They were what the five seed, I think. Uh, our, um, our dude, my dude was writing like Jimmy went to Miami to retire pieces before last year. And then yep. here they were. Yeah, so you never know. I mean, shit, Riley could make a move too. You never know. They've got a bunch of expiring contracts. Uh, people seem to love Tyler Hero. They got Duncan Robinson. They got Whoa, picks. whoa, whoa. People seem to? <laughs> yes, people seem to love Tyler Hero. Those people may not be me, but uh, th- there is a segment of human beings who... I just did a subjective draft with Liberty Ballers, and I took Hero over guys like OG, McHale... Uh, Russell, so that was a controversial decision, probably. I mean, he's better than I mean, he's definitely better than D'Lo, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, he's better. I mean, I see Cal, him like I, can a, see I see him it. like a future CJ McCollum at this point. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't offend me. I just don't know. I mean, I love CJ, but I just it don't offends know. Drew, your co-host. Yes, well, Drew is offended by many things. Um, <laughs> I genuinely, I love CJ. I just like that type of player is always really hard for me to, to value properly because I just don't know if their defense is good enough to. It's to Miami play. heat culture defense, man. He yeah. turned Dan Marley and Jamal Mashburn into studs back in the day. <laughs> I know you saw that. I did see that a uh, little bit different. Ike Austin. Yeah. A little bit different of a league, a little bit easier to just get guys to beat the shit out of people yep. uh, to make them good at defense. So yep. And I don't know Marley on H two O. I'm not. I'm not sure if Tyler Hero, even if that was still allowed, could just beat the shit out of people to be good at defense. Not sure he could. No, he'd be the one getting the shit kicked out of him by Xavier McDaniels. But yeah, those. I think the East is wide open. So and and RJ Barrett, what what have you seen so far? How good is he? Is he an all star? Uh, I think he could be an all star franchise Um, player. Not a. I mean, I don't know what he is. Somebody that can definitely be a core piece of your franchise i think uh moving forward i think his finishing i don't even know what the numbers are right now but it looks a lot better uh when he gets to the rim i think he's got more of a plan when he gets to the rim um so you were not one of the fans that drew hanlon his trainer had to block on twitter no i don't even i never have added somebody like that i know and i would never at a trainer or a player people have been adding him saying like what's up with rj shot early in the year 
Yeah, it's fine. I'm not too worried about it. I think the mechanics <laughs> look way better. Uh, he's shooting 76% from the line this year, which is a major improvement. I am betting that he will not shoot 25% from three over the course of the whole season. Um, and look, the biggest thing, the biggest encouragement for me is he shot 43% from two last year. He's shooting just under 47% this year from two. So that's a pretty big, sizable leap. Um, the mechanics of his shot, I mean, look, you're the shot mechanics guy, but they look better to me. Um, and I think that sometimes people, um, like when you make a change to your shot, it doesn't mean that in that first year after changing it, it's going to like all your percentages are going to climb, right? It it's, can a, be... it's a multi-year process. Right. And, and right. he, I don't know if you remember his shot line was inside of his nose. So he, mm -hmm. he's a lefty and he's got a pretty heavy tilt. His left foot is further in front than his right. His shot line, his left arm was going to the right of his nose essentially. So he had to correct that. It's now back out. I yeah. would say my biggest issue with his shot is that his right hand, his right wrist is bent. So he has to manually remove that. And that does, in my opinion, it likely is why we see some variance from him. Yeah. Yep. You know? I, and it makes, and it makes sense then why the free throw shooting is better than the live in-game shooting for him. Yeah. Cause it's easier to do like a T than it is when someone's running at you. Right. And so like, I'm encouraged by the fact that the free throw shooting is where it is at this point. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope because if he can do that in one year, go, so he shot 61% from the line last year. He's currently shooting 76.2% from the line this year. Um, like that's a really big leap. And if he can sustain that over the year, then I, I feel really confident about um, his ability to, to improve as a shooter you know, in game. Uh, also, like the thing is too, like he just he's gonna he's gonna rebound. He's gonna get you assists. Um, like he's going to contribute across the board. His defense has been really legit this year. I think he's, you know, uh, with uh, Frank Smith most of the season. But like, you know, I think of all the perimeter guys, he's been by far our best perimeter defender. He might even be our most cerebral team defender. I think really. He's his, his rotations are really good. Um, and he's not look, uh, Tibbs might be, he's only for certain people, but I think, uh, RJ happens to be one of those people that he's for. So, uh, I think, I think Tibbs is really well said, well said out of him. He's 30th, 30th overall in defensive win shares. Let me check his DBPM. Uh, it is DBPM is minus 0 0.6. So it's not as good. 111, yeah. but, yeah. but his let's go with defensive win share then. Cause that's where the Knicks are doing really well, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. I mean, I of the number of wins contributed by a player due to his offense. Yeah. I, I have no clue what defense. I have no clue. Exactly. I, I never use defensive metrics just because I don't really fully think that like, and I, I mean, Daryl Morey said this. He said, like, the publicly available defensive metrics suck. He said um, they suck, yeah. So, like, I generally assume that he probably knows more about statistical analysis than me. So I'll go with that. <laughs> um, but, like, just watching him, I'm, like, genuinely very impressed by his, like, last year I saw a player that was, like, okay, I can see the outline of a really good two-way player here, even if he's not that right now. And now I'm, like, okay, I see a pretty solid two-way player right now who could 
be more, but the offense really needs to kick in, which look like that's the bet. Um, we'll see what happens, but I, I mean, I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from him. Uh, I think, I think the year. maple Mamba, AKA ducky has, <laughs> has a, a pretty high range of outcomes because if you look at his like age adjusted career highs, they're pretty good. Like you remember Devin Booker dropped 70 when he was like 20 years old and it was right. like, okay, that's not normal. <laughs> and RJ has, has had some games where it's like, of course he's not consistent yet. He's literally 20, but like hero, he showed up in a pink suit. Like hero showed up in a flower suit. He's got a little bit of extra confidence that is not in a bad way. It's like, you know, if yeah. you see it in a guy like T.O., you're like, okay, this works for him. It, a little swag is a good thing here. He's stronger than men who were 10 years older than him already. Yeah, and, and and here's, and again, like, you know, I've talked about Randall not being optimized. RJ is in the same boat, right? Like, <laughs> that that lineup is not optimizing anything for him. No. Um, but 61.8% at the rim this year, that's up from 568 last year. And I think we actually have worse spacing somehow this year. Um, so like, that's a really big Alfred. improvement. Yeah, right. That's a really big improvement. He's also shooting 40% from long two um, so far this year. So I don't know, like I, I'd be curious if, you, if you've seen him shoot long twos versus threes, but when he gets into the long two, that seems he seems way more comfortable mechanically shooting that than he does from three. I haven't seen the Knicks much this year. I'll be honest between yeah. work and the Sixers and, Whatever. All right. <laughs> I got to wrap up here. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And it's essential that we have you back because this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, man, it's uh, fun to be on. Continue, continue to do your homework so that you could bring us that knowledge about the division in general. <laughs> I will, and I'm I will. glad, I'm glad to hear that the Sixers are your number one team after watching all, you know, a lot of the teams in the division in the conference I think some of our listeners will be excited by that. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I just did. We did a pod on Monday. Uh, so that's at pod Strickland on Twitter. The pod is called pod Strickland. Um, it's a, uh, it was with uh Krangis McBasketball. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Claim. Great. Great. Uh, that was a, that was a really good pod. Uh, we got into a lot of Nick stuff, obviously, but you know, we touched on, he's some, a Lakers fan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we touched on some kind of defensive concepts that, the Lakers are running, which are actually very similar to what the Knicks are doing currently, which is somewhat exciting for me. Um, and yeah, that was just a really good podcast in general. So I'll plug that. Uh, I will plug our site, which is uh, the strict.land on, on the internet. Uh, check that out. It's a pretty good stop for all Knicks news. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. I still love the the Krangis McBasketball reference. Did you ever watch that show on Practical Jokers? I didn't, but he he was telling us about it. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> Guys in a lobby, and he's like, "Is there a Krangis McBasketball here? Krangis <laughs> McBasketball?" And all the patients waiting for whatever, are like, "Oh what?" <laughs> Classic. All right, Swin. Thanks so much, and definitely definitely follow Swin on Twitter. Um, I remember my, my story. I met Schwinn at a Knicks party. It was Knicks <laughs> Mavericks and he had a hot date and I went up and I was like the nerd who tapped him on the shoulder. And I was like, are you Schwinny the Pooh? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> she must've been like, what did he take me to this nerd barn? <laughs> well, she didn't call me back. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you. Yeah.